speak tonight, and Johanna's going to pray for him. Cool. Hi, guys. Before I pray, I just want to say um, this message has been like on our heart the last nine months when um, we were actually given. I was praying one day, and I said, Lord, would you bless us with a car? We really need a car. And we were actually given a car. And that just, when God answered my prayer, that just kind of wrecked us. And we just were asking the question, wow, Lord, what does it mean to be awesome stewards where these people didn't, I mean, they put a brand new engine in this car. They loved this car. They didn't get the money they wanted for the car, so they didn't want to sell it for lower, so they gave it away. And so it's just this, this message is like, how can we live basically with like, these are God's possessions and our lives are the Lord's and how are we good stewards of, of that? It's, it's, it's not our own. So anyway, I just wanted to say that that's like an introduction, but that's mainly what God is asking the question is like, okay, Lord, how can we live that way and apply that to our life in with every area, not just our possessions. So anyway, okay. Uh, dear father, thank you so much. Holy spirit for just being here and we welcome you. And uh, we just ask for open hearts. Would you just keep our hearts tender? And we just want to hear from you. And just use Israel to um, just be a vessel and just speak through him. And say what you want to say to us, God, because we, we want to do um, what you want us to do. And we love you. And so we just bless Israel and we bless this time. In Jesus' name. I don't know why I'm preaching. She could preach the whole message. <laughs> but I'm thankful to be up here. It's an amazing night. The Holy Spirit is in here. It's thick. I know that because I've been crying the whole night. And when that happens, it's the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to sit down because I have a heavy heart. As I bring this message, it's, uh, it's been weighing on my heart the last couple of weeks. God has just been breaking me over this topic. And it started off kind of light. It's living in light of eternity. We're thinking, how can, be, how can we be more eternally focused? How can I keep my eyes on Jesus? How can I not worry about stuff? And it's n- not necessarily just about that. There's a lot more deeper implications that we have. And it's really hard because I feel like I'm up here as a motivational speaker trying to encourage everyone because when we get to the end, we're going to get a report card from the Lord and he's going he's gonna to give us our grades. We actually are required to fulfill our time in a godly manner here. We don't just sit here and casually live our lives as Christians who are expecting to just get heaven, to just barely make it in, to have fire insurance where we get in at the skin of our teeth. The Bible talks about that. It talks about those who got in at the skin of their teeth. And I don't want any of you guys to get in by the skin of your teeth. I don't want any of you to not make it because you lived a life casually and you lived a spin of the American dream where you just collect things and live like everybody else in solitude, away from community, going to church on Sundays or going on Tuesday nights. If this is all you do, it might not be enough. When I, when I thought about preaching this message, it was really hard because I don't want to, I don't want to think about the fact that there's souls out there that I can't get to. I can't get to everyone. I, we need the community of, we need everybody to do it. We all need to do our part, and we have different parts. God gives gifts to different people. He gives a gift of prophecy. He gives a gift of ser- servitude. He gives a gift of generosity. Some people are required to work million-dollar-a-year jobs 
we can't judge them because we don't know what they're doing with their money. God will be the decider at the end of the age. They'll, he'll stand before God and he'll say, you made a million dollars a year, how much did you keep? Yeah. It's not about how much we make, it's about how much we keep. And today I'm going to be a little random and you'll have to bear with me, but I typed up about nine pages of detailed notes and every time I tried to do a run-through, it didn't work. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak today, and I'm going to be the vessel, and I'm really honored to be here, but it's going to be random. So, yeah. Take notes if you want to. I am going to reference for some of the verses that I don't have memorized yet. My dad has asked me a couple times to preach in the last probably nine months, and I've been too busy or too this or too that, and I kept avoiding it because I, I just didn't want to come up and speak in front of everybody because I think about how do you prepare for a message? You study and study and study, and then you memorize it. I don't think I, don't think I need to have this memorized. I work so hard to memorize it, and it's impossible. And so I'm going to speak from my heart. I'm going to speak from what the Holy Spirit has been teaching me over the past couple of months. And I'm going to speak on the lessons that I've learned, and I hope that it benefits the rest of the body here. I didn't know what to preach on when I said I would accept it. And the first question that hit me was, okay, you accepted it, you're going to preach. And I think it was like two months. What are you going to preach on? And I didn't know, and I had all these ideas, and I searched for the scriptures for stuff that was weighing on my heart, and I wanted it to be something that was, I c that I emotionally connected with and something that I could really bring from my heart, not just learn about some scriptures and connect the dots that people didn't see before, get some revelation, and then turn and throw it at you guys like you've never heard it before. I didn't want to do that. And I was at a Bethel concert. Bethel Redding came to, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of you, a lot of you were there, and it was anointed, and the Lord was wrecking me there, and he told me to speak on it being eternally minded. And it was so clear. I was so excited to get started on it. What I didn't realize is that if God calls you to preach on something, you're going to live it for the next couple of weeks. And it has been a difficult couple of weeks. God has brought me through a lot. God has tested me on a whole lot. And I've had a lot of convictions about the way I'm living my life, the way I'm spending my time. And it's not easy to be up here because I'm not worthy to bring this message. But God... God is making me worthy, and he is bringing me through trials so that I can be perfected. And it's an incredible thing that God can use our pain, and God can use our trials to bring us to perfection, he says, complete and lacking in nothing. He says that in Philippians, and I think I quoted it pretty well, so I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> so the last couple of weeks, I've been continually asking, is this a trial, God? Is this, a, is this something, is this a struggle? Am I supposed to be learning from here? Yes, yes, yes. That's the answer. I don't think I'd, I'd ever have a difficult situation where God would say, no, get angry, breeze through it, forget about it. We need to take advantage of our struggles. We need to take advantage of our trials. If you get a revelation that you can grow spiritually, that you can become perfect, lacking in nothing through your trials, you might start asking for them. I'm not, don't do that. Don't ask for trials because you have a lot of examples in the Bible of real trials. We have trials today, not, not most of the ones that we see in the Bible about torture, 
and extremism, but you know, you read about it. it. It still happens a lot in China and other places, and I'm sure it does happen a lot here in America too. I just haven't, I don't know anyone personally who's been tortured, but there are a lot of other trials that can perfect us. I sat under my truck for about eight hours, and I'm not a mechanic. I actually despise uh, working on cars. And I told God I was going to do it. I didn't want to spend money on mechanics, so I said, God, if, if this is a trial, my truck is broken, this isn't normal, if this is a trial, I'm going to try and persevere, and I'm going to try and praise you. And so I listened to an audio book, and I just praised God through the trial. And the truck still isn't working, but I felt like I grew through that. And I'm going to thank God either way. I'll have to talk to Jason afterwards. So a lot of you might be going through trials, and you don't realize you're going through them. You need to start paying more attention. You can't let them slip. You need to start asking God those questions or just start assuming that if dilemmas come up, it's a trial. And it doesn't matter if it's from the devil. It doesn't matter if it's from God. It can be from both. God can let the devil give you trials. And we can't just bind the devil and curse him and just get angry. And God let the devil try Job over and over and over again. And Job prevailed. And Job was godly. And Job didn't curse anyone, even though all his friends were telling him, curse God and die. What a wretched group of friends to, to have. He kept his godliness, and God rewarded for him and gave him twice all that he had. And, and we just need to be mindful of the trials that come. So if you can, keep out, keep watch. second thing that God really convicted me about and wanted me to speak on was time. How we're spending our time. A lot of people talk about how we're spending our money, but I think time is a much more crucial thing because we have a limited amount of time. We don't have a limited amount of money. We have unlimited amount of money. We can make money. It's the easiest thing. God has a bank account that we can access at any time, and the more generous we, generous we are, the more God gives to us to give away. It happens every time. The more I give, the more I seek it back into my life. And I'm still learning what it means to give. It's a wonderful thing. But right now I want to talk about time. Time management is a difficult thing for a lot of people and extremely difficult for me. I get distracted. I waste time. And one thing that our culture has learned is a phrase we call killing time. It's a dangerous phrase. If we have a limited amount of time and God is going to judge us by how we use that time, by the good deeds we do, by the works we commit, is it really worth it to waste that time, let alone kill that time? And in the meaning of that phrase, we literally find activities that disassociate ourselves or numb us to pass more time looking forward to the next fill, the next fun thing we're looking forward to. And I, I admit, I've, I've been a part of that where I'm, oh, I just need to kill some time to wait for this or wait for that. Time is much too precious to be killing it. Another way is that when we give money, we're essentially just giving time. We're, we're not actually really giving money because we get money through time. We take time to learn skills. We take time to learn traits that we go into the workplace with. And we say, I will trade eight hours, a w eight hours a day, 40 hours a week with this skill. 
and then at the end of the week we get a paycheck and it consolidates all down to this one piece of paper we throw in our bank and then we distribute that back out to the world we pay our bills we have food and all kinds of necessary things that we spend our money on but then we have another thing called possessions and that's a tough one because you can't judge someone on their possessions. You can't judge someone on their car or their house. You can look at someone, you can say, man, they got a nice house, they got a big house. I'm sure people judge my dad for having such a big house, but it's used more than any house I know. I mean, he must be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what you do with your possessions. I have, I have three cars. One of them not working right now. That's another story. <laughs> I don't need three cars, and I was considering selling the third, the truck, and I'm keeping it because God is using it to bless people. I've let people borrow it. I've helped people move. By the way, I do help loving people move. I feel great joy from helping people move. Most people don't. <laughs> Let's do it. I got you last time. Yeah, if it starts working, we should all pray together, and I'll help you move. And I have a trailer, too, that I don't need because I'm not in landscaping anymore. But I'm keeping it because my dad uses it. And Cameron used it last month. And Jeremy Frisco used it two months ago. And, and I'm just, I love the fact that I have these possessions that I can bless people with. And I think if you have a mentality of my possessions are everyone's possessions, God's going to bless you with more. And how cool is it that I can have these little toys and not feel bad about having more than the next guy because God's using them. And that's what we need to be doing with our possessions. We don't have to worry and judge each other for what possessions we have, but how we're using our possessions. There's a lie in the world that says we can do what we want with our time and possessions. And there's an even more subtle lie in the church. We don't believe the first lie. We know that's not true. We submit our desires and our sinful ways to the Lord and and we understand we're submitted to him, but there is this twist where we take the American dream and we twist it into this Christian lifestyle where we keep our possessions. We save up to buy a big house so we can live in it and not bless other people with hospitality. We get a nice car so we can get a nicer car, so we can get a nicer car. And then we work really, really, really hard, and there's nothing wrong with hard work. But if you're doing it with the mentality of putting as much as you can into a 401k, you're going to be disappointed because you're not taking that with you. There's a bigger 401k you should be concerned about, and it's in heaven. <laughs> Proverbs talks about saving money is wise, and if you don't have anything to put in the storehouse when winter comes, you're going to be left empty-handed and hungry. So there's nothing wrong with saving. It's a godly principle. But we do not want to save out of our insecurities, and that's something that I've convicted of. I've been convicted of because I don't want to be old and not being able to provide for my family. I don't want to be old and not be able to be peacefully retired. I don't think I'll retire, but the concept still scares me. I want to be comforted. And it's hard. It's really hard to think about suffering this lifetime and also just trusting that God is going to provide it's hard to think that God's going to make a way, and if I give my money, it will return, maybe not in this lifetime, but the next. 
And if we start thinking about eternity more than we think about this lifetime, we might start storing up treasures there and not here. What's that verse? Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A pretty simple verse. We know that. We know that if we buy something, if we invest in it, we're going to have our heart in it also. I have a cheap bike. I like biking. I don't consider myself a biker. I could bike all the time, but I wouldn't be a biker. If I bought a nice bike, then I'd be a biker. You have a lot of people that don't even bike, but if they have a nice bike, they're a biker. When we have a, when we have a possession, <laughs> we associate ourselves with that. When we invest in something, we put our heart into it, and we associate ourselves in that. I bought a kayak for Johanna. We haven't used it yet, but I think about that a kayak a lot. I want to go kayaking. I'd love to take a weekend and just go kayaking. It wasn't, I mean, it was a great deal. I got it like 80% off at REI Scratch and Dent Sales. But with our possessions, we invest ourselves in that. And if we were to start investing in the kingdom, we'd be thinking about the kingdom. We'd be thinking about how is God going to use that money? How awesome is that? That I can actually join with God and invest in saving souls and storing up treasure in heaven. The second part of that verse, too, is kind of scary because it gets a little deeper. It says, uh, so, Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Man cannot serve both God and money. Only you know if you're serving money. Only you can check your heart. I mean, God can, but we can't judge each other and say, are you saving that money out of insecurity or are you saving it so you can bless other people? Are you working that job 60, 70 hours a week so out of the abundance you can bless other people? Are you doing that because you're scared you're not going to have enough later on to provide for you and your own? (coughs) You can't serve God and money. So if you're serving money, you better check your heart and you better find out pretty quickly. It's not going to get you to where you want to go. If you're serving money, you're not serving God. And if you're not serving God, you might not make it to heaven. So it's very exciting to be up here because I like motivating. I like encouraging. I feel like it'd be fun to give a motivational speech. You hear them at high schools and you hear them like I watch them on YouTube every once in a while, like those sports motivational speeches. Like I'll wake up in the morning like tired and not interested and I throw in a motivational speech and it's like a shot of caffeine. You're pumped. You're ready to go and you feel encouraged to go for it. We encourage our athletes to go for it. We go for it as athletes. When I was a rock climber, I identified myself as a rock climber because I was good. And it wasn't, it wasn't right to find identity in it because I walked away from the Lord. But I trained like I was going to die climbing. I trained like that, that was who I was. And I was good. And it's hard when we find something like that because it can distract us. It can also be very pleasurable. I still do rock climbing every once in a while, but it's not my identity anymore. 
And I would love, I mean, I wouldn't love to, but I, I sometimes I dream about if I had another lifetime, I would love to just climb 24 hours a day and be the best climber there ever was. If I had another lifestyle, I would love to just play tennis 45, 60 hours a day and just be the best there ever was. We have a desire to be perfect, and we have a desire to go for it when we find something we set our eyes on. Not a lot of us do that with heaven. Paul talks about it as a prize, as a crown that you can achieve. He talks about going for the race, staying the course so that he may achieve the crown. Not an imperishable crown, but one that lasts forever. The athletes that go to the Olympics, what's, what's the word? Imperishable crown in Greek. Stephanos, yeah. Thank you, Dad. They spend their whole lives. If you, I've never talked to an Olympic athlete, but just looking at athletes around me who spend, you know, devote their whole lives to a sport, you can only think about the ones at the top, how much sacrifice they've given. They cry every time they win a medal. It's because they didn't think they'd get to that point. They've worked their whole lives for this one thing, and then it vanishes, and they take a medal with them that's going to perish. A lot of us do that. A lot of us go for stuff that's going to perish. A lot of us spend time and effort and work really hard at something that perishes. I, s- I used to spend a lot of time in the gym, but I, I can't put on weight, so I just quit. <laughs> I wanted to get big and muscular, and it, it can't happen, so I just need to change my theory and do it to be fit and to be healthy. Many of you go to the gym to punish yourself, to endure pain, because you know that pain will produce fit, healthy bodies. We can't always apply that, though. We don't always think, yeah, this life might be full of pain, but will the reward be there? Yeah, it's going to be there. God promises that, and if you believe it, it's going to happen. We literally punish ourselves in so many aspects. When I'm studying for something, I punish myself. I I sometimes don't eat. I'll put off going to the bathroom. I'll just want to finish the chapter and hit it hard because I want to score. I want to score a good grade. I want my time to be used rightly. And if I'm studying for something, I can buckle down and I can work really hard knowing it's not forever. It's not forever. This is a short period. I took, I think, 21 credits this last semester, which says a lot for me because I got like a D D minus average in high school. And that's, what is it, like 12 credits you take in high school? I don't know. It was double time and I was doing good and God was just blessing me. And I loved it, but I didn't really have much of a life because I said, I got to buckle down. I got to do this because I know the reward of the end is going to be worth it. The reward was a bunch of certifications that are going to be burned in eternal fire, you know, over in the end. But it's, it's worth it for now because God is calling me back into firefighting. I passed. <laughs> but if we could apply that same mentality to heaven the riches and rewards we would have would be too many to count. God is excited. He doesn't have to reward us. Heaven enough is a reward. Jesus enough is a reward. We wouldn't even need heaven. Just a room with Jesus. We could sit there just like the seraphim and just say, holy, 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 and be satisfied for the rest of our lives. But God is extravagant. He wants to pour out more than that. He has more than himself, more than heaven. He has 
rewards. When we get there, we're all going to be rewarded for how we acted on this earth. We're going to be rewarded for the good deeds we did and how we conducted our lives, for the character that we achieved and how we impacted those around us. I think there's going to be a lot of secret Christians. We have a lot of celebrity Christians these days, and I don't know what to think about it because we take certain Christians and we idolize them. But I think when we get to heaven, we're going to have a lot of secret Christians, guys that are exalted, far beyond, and we're saying, hey, we don't know this guy. Well, Christ did, and Christ saw what he did. God is watching everyone's actions, and he's going to reward you for everything you've done. So I would think about that on a daily basis. I've been just wrecked on a daily basis because I'm trying to not punish myself but get in a stricter regiment. I want to get to the gym so I can live a long life. Not so that I can be strong and look good on the beach. Get some cardio in so I can live a long life. I want to eat right so I can live a long life. I eat a lot of junk food. It convicted me. I want to read the scriptures more so that when I speak, I can bless people. So that when I run into someone on the street, I can give them a word. I don't want to be fumbling over my iPhone. And I'm looking and reevaluating my life and there's a lot that is not measuring up. I know that if I were to die now, I would probably try and make a lot of excuses about I was just at the tipping point. I was just getting new revelation about how I could adapt and figure out new ways to be a better Christian. And I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to do it on a daily basis to where I ask God, what do you have for me today? Who can I bless today? My time is no longer valuable to me. It's valuable to God, and he's going to use it however he wants. I lived most of my life very proud and very stuck up because I felt my time was more important than anyone. I didn't give anyone time. I didn't want to make friends because I thought people were just boring, and I'd much rather be out climbing or doing something, playing guitar. I had a lot of interests and activities that kept me busy, so I just ignored people. I didn't keep a lot of friends. I had maybe three good friends growing up and they were more like brothers I mean one of them is in the back right there but God has really changed my heart and showed me that my time is short what am I going to do with it God can use me for wonderful things or I can use my time for entertainment I can use my time to indulge in worldly pleasures that may not be directly sin related but may just pass the time for a quick laugh there's a website that I had to block on my computer because uh, a cousin of mine, Karsten, introduced me to it. And it got so bad that I had to download this web blocker and throw it on there. And I, I just said, I can't, I can't control myself anymore. It's called IWasteSoMuchTime.com. It literally tells you what it is. And you go there, and it's just pictures that are funny. <laughs> and I laugh. <laughs> And it's, it's literally just joke after joke. And I, I just seek, I seek a good laugh. And I found myself on there over and over again. And it's not wrong to laugh. But there are certain things in your life that may be weird to cut out. And you may have to. People talk about just wait for God to change your heart. No, you can, you can put up a blocker like that. You can do that. You can take steps to cut out any sin from your life. I, that w- it's not sin to get a couple of laughs from the Internet. But if you're wasting hours trying to find a good laugh, then that's sin. If you're spending time 
for yourself and for your own enjoyment when you're not giving it to God and not saying, God, here's, here's my first fruits. I'd wake up and want to go to that first or want to go outside or you know, you know play tennis or do things that aren't inherently wrong, but I want to give God the first fruits of my time, first fruits of my day, and ask him how I can be a blessing to other people. All right, I'm going to read the parable of the talents. I'm sure that you all have heard it before. It's uh, Luke 19:12 through 13. You can follow along, but I don't know what version it is. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minutes and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and he sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered his servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minutes more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five. Another came, saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming? I might have collected it with interest. That's pretty serious. Right there, that last verse explains a guy who is giving a talent. Now, we, we didn't start off with a talent. We didn't start off out of the womb with a sack of coins, and God said, invest this and return it to me when you're done. We started out with a clock that's ticking that says, here is the quantity of time you have. I want to see what you're going to do with it. God didn't create us here so we can pass the time until we get to heaven. Otherwise, I think we just go straight to heaven. I think he put us here so that we can impact people and try and persuade those who might be choosing death you know, in Hades forever. And I think that's a, a, real, a real thing we need to be pursuing more is evangelism. And it's really hard because I try evangelizing the people I encounter at the cash registers when I buy stuff. And it's so awkward, but I still think we're planting a seed. I try praying for people. Some people refuse it. Some people accept it. Either way, we're planting a seed. There's a verse here i got to find. It talks about Paul planting a seed and another watering it, but uh, God gives the increase. There it is. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. That's all we got to do. You just got to plant the seed. Or you may be the one coming into watering it. You may encounter someone and they're like, wow, someone last week was just saying the same thing, preaching the same message. I've heard that before. I've heard that, Jesus. And they may take that water and then God will give the increase and reap the harvest and you're going to get an assist when you get to heaven. That's, that's going to be pretty neat. <laughs> After the parable of the talents, it talks about what happened to that guy. Anyone know what happened to him? 
He got cast into the eternal fire where there is weeping, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know what that means for people who aren't investing their time. I don't know if I can make that judgment. I mean, I, I, I know I can actually make that judgment, but God can. And if you think you might be casually walking through life, going to church on Sundays, not taking things seriously, not taking the word of God at heart, that could be you. And I hate saying that because not everyone is going to go to heaven. Not everyone's going to make it. But we have this lifetime to persuade as many as possible. It's not wrong to try harder. It's not wrong to strive for that. I'm desperate. I'm desperate to get people into heaven. I can't take it. And not, not everyone's going to make it. And I don't like to think about just living life casually anymore. I want to be motivating everyone around me. I want to be encouraging people to just go for it, to run the race hard, to take every trial and persevere so that we can be perfected. When we encounter people, they're going to see Jesus in us. If we're not perfected, if we're just struggling over every trial, if every flat tire causes a freak out, the world sees that and they say, you don't have peace, you don't have love. Why would I want a part of that? We need to be spending more time with God so we can be filled up so when we go into the world and encounter situations, they see that love. If we're not overflowing with that love, what do they want? How is that a good witness? So that parable, I think, is about time, but it, it's also about money because it, it, you know, it directly talks about the minas. But God has blessed everyone with different gifts. You don't have to be everything. You don't have to be an evangelist and a prophet and you know some rich guy who's donating tons of money to all these ministries because there are guys like that. You know, I just talked to Paul Volker, and he's going over to, uh, I think, Iraq. And he is, he's very smart with money. And God has given him a radical revelation to just continue to pursue after that money because he's got a spirit of generosity on him. And the Bible talks about people who are good at making money and they are generous to fund many different areas of the body. We can't have prophets trying to work at Walmart so they can pay for their you know, prophetic words. We need people like Paul Volcker to go overseas and make a ton of money he literally, he just, he's passionate about it. He wants to make millions of bucks so he can pass it along to the right people because he's tired of seeing people in their ministries struggling. He's tired of seeing that. And so if you know what your gift is, go for it. Amen. Don't try and be well-rounded. I try and do that and I fail. I try and be a mechanic and a musician and this and that. And God gives us all different giftings. If you don't know what it is, ask. Ask God for that. Ask him for your calling. Ask him for your purpose, and he'll tell you. If you don't know what it is, that's sad because most of us are in our 20s, and you've had a long time to think about it. I don't think I found out what my calling was till a couple of years ago, and it grieved me. I felt like I walked around depressed most of my life because I felt like I was worthless. I didn't know why I was here and what I was doing. And when God revealed to me this just heart overflowing for children, I just I cry about it when I think about kids. I want to have lots of kids. I want to adopt lots of kids. I, I want to work at orphanages. And it, it's very, it sounds kind of cliche, but God's laid that on my heart. I want to be a father to many people. And I want to see kids mentored up to be parents. And so if you don't know why you're created yet, if you don't know what your destiny is, 
Stop. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop wasting your time. Get desperate. Eat some carpet. Lay in the floor and beg God to reveal to you why you're here so that you can walk out in your destiny and start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. There's no reason to walk around aimlessly. We walk around blind until God opens our eyes and reveals to us why he created us and what our destiny is. I urge you to find out what it is. He, he will reveal it to you if you ask him with an earnest heart. So to continue on, Romans 12, 6 through 8, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then to give, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Find your gifting and walk out in it. There's a lot of people that that are walking around aimlessly and they're looking at other people who are in their giftings and they're jealous. I see other people and I just admire. That's amazing. They know what they're here to do and they're doing it. What a great feeling to be to, to be appreciated by other people, to be blessing people. We feel good when we do good deeds, right? When you do something nice, you feel good about yourself. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. It'd be bad if it was the other way around, but like when we go fix a flat tire for somebody else or help them move, we just have this warm, tingly feeling inside. It's amazing that we get that and a reward in heaven because we don't need the reward in heaven, but God has generously given that to us anyways. Christians too quickly define themselves by what they don't do. Jesus was judged by the Pharisees for not refraining from drinking wine, for celebrating with tax collectors, and healing on the Sabbath. While the disciples of Jesus and those who believed in him were examining his life by his actions, not his inactions. Don't define the good in your life by what you're refraining from. Paul talks about everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. God wants us to refrain from sin, and that's how we get closer to him. But we cannot define good by what we don't do. We can't refuse a life of pleasure and stick to asceticism and say, this is how we find good. We need to define ourselves by our actions, because God does. So I'm going to go back to money for a little bit. It feels kind of weird talking about eternity and keep keep going back to the subject of money, but it's really, there's two things that we're really accountable for, and that's time and money. And I feel like money is just time converted anyways. So we are all actually stewards of God's money. If we were to get that revelation, revelation, I keep saying revelation, that's not a word. How many times have I said that? Oh. All right. So I'm going to read a, read a story about a pastor who was taking an offering. He told everyone to stand up and take your right hand and grab the wallet from the pocket in front of you and give what you feel like you should give. 
he was trying to prove the point that if you're giving someone else's money, you're more inclined to give more. That's totally true. I would love to give someone else's money to the things I'm passionate about because when I give my own, it hurts. My flesh cries out and says, you know how hard you work for that money? That's tough, and you're just going to give it away. How do you know they're going to use it rightly? Can you trust them to spend that wisely? God, God didn't ask us to trust them. He just said to give generously, and it will be rewarded to you. So if we understand that we're stewards, which we are, the Bible talks about us being stewards, and the Lord's going to come back and see what we've done with his accounts, essentially there's a big bank account, and we're all managing it. When you're a financial planner or investor, you have uh, like a millionaire, he'll come up to you and say, here's a couple million bucks, make more for me, I don't know how to do it, and they'll find creative ways to stretch that money, to invest it in certain areas, and make it bigger and larger. Well, we have the biggest bank account of all, and God freely allows us to give what we want to give. Obviously, it's up to our faith what we're going to be able to give because if we have no faith, he's not going to reward us. If we don't believe that when we give, God's going to give back to us, then we're not going to have access to unlimited funds. But I've heard countless and countless stories about people giving down to the last dime and God blessing them immediately or giving generously and God giving generously back. Dad always says, you can shovel it out the front door and God's going to shovel it out in the back. You can, God's going to in the back door and God's shovel is a lot bigger than yours and it's true and if you don't believe it you can test it why not just try it it's worth it give some money away see if it works it's going to work it also kind of convicts me to think about my purchases if I'm accessing God's fund to bless people generously then I'm also accessing God's funds to buy groceries and buy clothes and buy things. And so living a lifestyle concerned about how we spend our money is important. We don't want to walk around never purchasing anything and constantly like, oh my gosh, is God going to bless this? Can I buy these fruit snacks? (laughs) But we do want to think about when I get to heaven and God looks at my receipts, Is he going to ask questions about this one? Is he going to say, what did you use that for? Was this necessary? And, you know, he might show examples of other people that could have used that money. And it's not easy to hold back. It's not easy to examine everything. And I I spend money. I like like things. We just bought bought some climbing shoes. And it's tough. And that's why it's so hard because I've been convicted on so many of these things. And it may be painful for some of you to refrain from certain things. It may be painful to try and cut back on coffee or whatever it may be, on clothes. There could be somewhere in your life, some area in your life that God is speaking to you about, and he's saying, just cut back a little bit and give that somewhere else where, you know, I'll lead you to give it and I'll bless you for giving it there. And it may be painful, but God didn't say we're not going to have pain. He said, you will have pain. He said, you will have trials. But if you persevere, what's going to happen? We're going to get rewarded in heaven. And so it's, it's worth it to go through that pain and persevere. Bob, can you, uh, I mean, Eric, Bob, can you pull up a video? It's on YouTube. It's called How Bad Do You Want It? And put a question mark, and it'll be the fifth video down. 
it's a it's a motivational video, and I kind of have a soft spot for motivational videos. It's about a homeless guy who sees a goal, he sees an idea, and he wants it so bad, and he just perseveres and he gets through. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you might know what happens. It's really awesome, and I I watch it because I want to be encouraged to keep that mindset of. We do go through pain, and we will suffer, and it's not going to be easy all the time. But if we think about the eternal reward and getting to heaven and having a place in his kingdom and seeing the look on his face when we've had a lifestyle served for him, and when we see all our friends we brought there, I don't want to go to heaven empty-handed. I don't want to go there without bringing anyone with me. That's awkward. (laughs) And so this is... Partially a motivational speech to just encourage you to go for it. Yeah, that's it. So I'm going to close it out here with uh, two verses. Romans 2.6, he will render to each one according to his works. In Matthew 16.27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person 
according to what they have done. It's not a pass or fail. When you make it to heaven, yeah, you passed, you got there, but you are going to be rewarded for what you did, and he is going to give each one according to each works. So keep that in mind. Uh, we should just we should close this in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for trusting me with this message. I I feel honored to to bring it to my lovely community. And I pray that you would just keep it on my hearts and keep it on their hearts and constantly remind us that we're here temporarily. We're pilgrims passing through, and this is not our home. We have an eternal home that is much more than we can imagine, and it's going to be an incredible place where we spend eternity. But right now, help us to buckle down and keep fighting the fight and bring as many friends as we can up there. Amen. I want to say some things to Israel. I want to say how much I've been blessed by watching you in the last couple of years because he's lived that message. He is, uh, since God grabbed on to him after he came back, he's become a servant of people and serving the Lord. Some of you know that. You've seen him. I've watched him consistently give of himself. He's, get, he's done it in our family. He gives himself away. So what he's, what he's giving is not, not simply try harder, but there's a service, there's a humility that God has brought him into where he wants to live a life of humble service. And the Bible says grace leads to good works. Good works is not antithetical to grace. Grace leads us. Titus 2.12 says that grace propels us in doing good works. That's what we're created for. We're not created, we're not saved by good works, but we're created for good works. And so I want to bless you that you take very seriously what he said. He was crying earlier tonight because he, he wanted to give this message, but he knows it's not an easy message to receive, not an easy message to give, because it could sound to some of you like, okay, try a little harder. Come on, go for it. He's living this message, and it's a message of humbling yourself so that you give yourself to God and to people to serve them so that you make a difference in your life and you don't waste your life. You don't consume it and then expect God to give you heaven. How wonderful. No, we're to live here. We're to bring heaven down to here before we go there, right? So I pray, Father, that you would stir. Stir in people's hearts tonight. Stir in our hearts. And for those who are likely to, 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 to hear the master say, you wicked, slothful servant, I pray especially for any. I hope there aren't any like that. But if there are any, I hope that you would, you would speak to them especially and convict them that you're calling them, you're requiring them, you're commanding them 
to change their way they're living, to humble themselves, to repent, and to give themselves. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable spiritual service. I pray, Father, that you would do the convicting. If there's any convicting to be done tonight, Holy Spirit, you're more than able to do that. So I'm just going to wait for a moment now. Take something. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, convicted you, just turn it into a prayer in your own heart. God's goodness leads us to what? Yeah, repentance is a good thing. Repentance is changing our mind, changing our focus, changing the way we spend time. Changing our, our, our outlook, changing our, our style of life, changing our attitude. So that we, You know why I get up early? To wa- so I don't waste time. I don't. I, I don't like to waste time. I want to. I want to. I want to invest time. I don't want to waste it. I want to invest it. I think you want that too. I want. I want. God's put a desire in your heart, and I know you're hearing that tonight. Put a desire in your heart to make a difference in people's lives. It's amazing that God does that, and then He rewards us. It's all by grace through faith. He actually rewards us for doing it. So now we turn this into a prayer time. After you've prayed alone to the Lord, want to find one or two, maybe just someone close to you. We're going to spin around. We're going to pray for one another. Thankful for so for a sober message. Jesus gave a lot of sober messages. So turn with somebody and pray. Where, where did God convict you? Where is God asking you to change? Where does God want to show his grace in your life? What attitudes do you want to change? What attitudes can I change? How does he want me to serve? It would be wonderful if everyone in communitas was involved in some kind of service or ministry. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because we want to escape from that consumer-oriented where I just come here to get something. Not here. We want to have a team, a koinony of people where we're receiving and giving. Everyone involved in service and ministry, touching other people. So just start turning right now. Just turn. We'll have people up front that will pray. Israel, I want you and Johanna come up. I'll be up here. We can pray up here. Or you can just turn with someone else. We'll have plenty of time for fellowship. But right now, it's prayer time. Time to do business. We want to do business. So turn with someone else and turn it into a a prayer time.